Well, if you'd like to turn to our passage that we're going to read, we're going to focus in, it's over on, it's printed out on page three, excuse me, printed out on page three. We're going to focus in just on verses 22 and 23 of Matthew 1, but we'll read the, the larger passage as well as, well as a verse from, from John 1. This is Matthew's account of, of Christmas. Matthew 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. John 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Father, use your word, encourage, strengthen, uh, show us the glory of Christ, even this morning we pray. In his name, amen. Have you ever tried to encourage someone with words something like this? Don't worry, I'll be right there with you. Don't worry, I'll be right there with you. Maybe it was a child, maybe it was a close friend, maybe it was an aging parent, but they're right in the middle of something scary, something difficult, something dark, and you want to encourage them. Don't worry, I'll be right there with you. You're, you're encouraging with, with your presence. You're reminding them that, that your physical presence with them makes a difference. That in the midst of a dark place, a scary place, uh, that there can be an encouragement by having someone alongside them, someone who loves them, someone who cares for them, someone who can make a difference. Don't worry. I'll be right there with you. Maybe you think of a time when someone said that to you. And it made a difference. It might not have instantly taken the scary, dark thing away, but, but it made a difference because they were there. Now imagine God says that to you. Don't worry. I'll be right there with you. God says it to you. And he doesn't just say it. Say it he does it. And it's not just that he's present in a kind of comforting, uh, 
builds you up in your mind sort of way. But his presence actually changes things. Changes everything. Maybe the dark, scary doesn't go away, but, but it makes all the difference in the world. Don't worry, I'll be right there with you. That is actually the good news of Christmas. That is the message of the angels. That is the, the good news of the birth of Christ. Is that God is not only saying, but he's actually doing it. He's showing up to be right with his people. Uh, we saw it from, from Matthew's words there. As he's introducing the Christmas story and talking about uh, how Joseph doesn't need to be afraid to take Mary. No, Mary hasn't been unfaithful. This child is, is special. This child is from the Holy Spirit. And then all of it is explained, the whole thing, by, by quoting back to one of the prophets and saying, here's what this is all about. That the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Matthew says, it's here. God, right here with us. It's here because the child has arrived. Let's think about that together. Think of, of what that means and how that makes a difference uh, as we look at that Emmanuel idea. Uh, Emmanuel, it means God with us in Hebrew. Um, we'll look at it under the four headings that are listed there. <clears throat> Emmanuel, the, uh, the promise. Emmanuel, the problem. Emmanuel, the person. And then Emmanuel, the present. Uh, first, Emmanuel, the promise. So here in, in verse 22 of, of Matthew, we're, we're told that this whole birth of Jesus is, is taking place all to fulfill what had been spoken years before. Matthew says, by the prophet. He's referring to the prophet Isaiah. He quotes from Isaiah chapter 7, a message that God had given to the prophet Isaiah some 700 years before Jesus was born. God had given this promise uh, that there would be this child that would come, born of a virgin, a miraculous birth. Uh, but, the re but the miracle would not just be the conception and the birth, but the very person and what it meant. And he says, the name, the core identity of this child would be Emmanuel, God with us. God promises it. Actually, the promise goes way back, even before Isaiah. Uh, this, in many ways, this idea of Emmanuel, this, this idea of God dwelling with his people, in many ways, this is the whole storyline of the Bible. The great promise that God had from of old uh, and, and keeps reiterating to his people. We could go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, kids, you remember the, the Garden of Eden, right? Uh, God, when he first made the world, he made that perfect, uh, that perfect, glorious garden. Well, do you remember what was so wonderful about that garden? Do you remember what was so great about it? Well, of course, it was beautiful. That was great. Uh, of course, there was, no, there was no pain or sickness or crying. That was great. But the really great thing about that garden was God was there. God was there. We're, we read that God walked with his people. God walked with Adam and Eve. There was the glory of it. God, right with his people. Uh, his presence, the life that that means and brings, God right there with them. It was the very thing that was lost. 
Uh, when man uh, rebelled against God, when Adam and Eve sinned, you might remember they're kicked out of the garden. And again, it's more than just they, they lost a, a great vacation spot, a, a paradise uh, you know, resort. It's more than they just they, they lost the resort. They lost the presence of God with them. No longer in God's presence, no longer having that life of God with them. It was lost because of their sin, and no wonder the, the world descended into darkness and curse and ugliness. Yeah, life apart from God. Now, we should say at this point that the idea of God being present with us, of course, there is a sense in which God is present everywhere. Uh, you can never run from God in, in one sense uh, or be apart from him. He's present everywhere. What we're talking about here, though, is not that omnipresent God in every, in every place, but the special, glorious presence of God, uh, the, the, the special nearness that brings life, uh, that brings uh, transformation, uh, the nearness of God that brings his favor, his smile, uh, his glory into our, into our life, the special presence of God, you could call it. That was what was lost in the garden, and life lost with it. But God kept promising that he was, he was going to restore what was lost. Even, even, to, even to Eve was given that promise that, that her, her descendant, the seed of the woman, would, would fix the problem. A child would come and fix it all. Fix the separated from God. Fix the, the God no longer with us. Difficult. And God reiterated the promise. He did it in, in, in shapes and and, and symbols and, and shadows throughout the Old Testament. Think of that pillar of cloud and smoke that went before the Israelites in the wilderness. Right? He saved them from slavery in Egypt because he was with them. Because he came near and he brought rescue. God's, God's glorious presence in the tabernacle, that tent that was right in the middle of the Israelite encampment. God with his people. Uh, or the Old Testament temple, again, God's people dwelling in the land. And there was God in his special presence right there among them. But that was just the shadows of the old. And Isaiah says, the fullness is going to come when the child arrives. When the child born of a virgin, that's when the fullness, the real promise answered, is going to arrive. God right there with his people. And the angel quotes, or Matthew quotes that, quotes that Isaiah passage and says, it's fulfilled. It's here. Because Jesus has arrived. God is with his people. Now, before we, before we uh, investigate more about Jesus, let's think about how God with his people, a glorious promise, but it also brings with it something of a problem. Uh, God with us? God with us? If God truly is how the Bible presents him, right? Not just a nice, cute little grandpa in the sky who, who's fun to be with but really couldn't hurt a fly. Uh, if, he's, if he's actually something more than that, uh, actually the all-glorious, holy king of the universe, the creator, uh, the sustainer of everything, the holy one, if he really is that holy and glorious, we should ask that question, uh, God, that God with us, uh, how, does, how does that go well for us? Because after all, if he is that holy and that glorious, and we don't match his holiness, we don't reflect it, then him being near to us is not 
uh, is not a good thing, it's a disaster. Actually, uh, Isaiah, the prophet who's quoted in Matthew, Isaiah himself discovered this. Uh, just one chapter before his, his, his prophecy that we, we quote this time of year, Isaiah had this vision where he was in the presence of God. And it was not a happy thing initially. Uh, in fact, he got it that it was actually a disaster. It was this vision of God, and God didn't look anything like a, a, a kind, gentle grandpa in the sky. He looked like the glorious king, whose very presence made the, made the throne room shake and quake, uh, the angel attendants in front of this glorious king, the angels who themselves are spotless, but even they had to, had to cover their faces because God was that glorious, that majestic, that, uh, that awesome, uh, that, <clears throat> that spotless, that even they had in humility had to cover themselves and just cry out, holy, 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 this God is so holy. And there's Isaiah standing there, uh, in front of this all-glorious, spotless, um, glory-filled God, and immediately he gets it. Because his first, his first statement is not, this is wonderful, it's, I'm in trouble. He cries out, woe is me, for I am ruined. Woe is me. God is with him, and he says, I'm in trouble. Because, as he goes on to say, uh, I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He's talking about his sin. Uh, he's saying that he, he himself is one who is not holy like this God. Far from it. The exact opposite of it. This God is holy. He says, I'm, I'm unclean. Right? That, that's, that's sin. That's, that's what it does. Our, our rebellion against God, our, uh, all those thoughts and words and deeds where we turn away from God and his ways, and we turn to our, uh, to our own uh, rule over our lives, our own uh, paths that, that are far from the paths of God, that sin, it, it defiles, it, it makes us unclean. And, and, and that uncleanness, that unholiness in the presence of God, well, Isaiah immediately realizes, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. God with me? That's a problem. Unless God comes and cleans up Isaiah, does something about his sin, rescues him from it, uh, Isaiah is ruined. Uh, judgment. Uh, that's all that Isaiah can look forward to, apart from some cleansing work of God. And the same is for us. We're, we're no different than the prophet. We, like him, uh, know a few things about God, but, uh, but, but that doesn't make us holy, just knowing a little bit about him. Uh, our, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, like Isaiah's, well, they make us unclean. So apart from some rescue for you, apart from some rescue for me, God being with us, with you, with me, that's, that's a problem. How are we going to be rescued from it? Uh, now we're ready to talk uh, about, about Jesus, how Jesus the person uh, is actually good news. Right? That, there's, our, there's our next heading. So, so there's the promise, God's going to be with his people. Well, apart from some rescue, that's a problem. Right? Are you seeing where we're headed so far? Have you wrestled with this? Have you wrestled with if God shows up in your life, uh, apart from some rescue from your sin, that you and I are in trouble? Right? It's not, not the kind of thing we like to think about, maybe especially on Christmas morning, but, but you don't get the good news unless you understand the, the, the big problem. 
But the child comes to fix the problem. That's what makes it good news of great joy. Right? That's what the angels declare. Uh, that the arrival of this one who, who's Emmanuel, who is, who is God with us. Right? Remember how the angel explained uh, that this, this child is not, not any ordinary child. Right? Born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's because he is not an ordinary man. Right? Fully man in the sense uh, of, of having all that humanity is, but not ordinary in the sense that he's far more. And that's what John described, we read even just briefly, about the Word, right? The, the eternal God, the Son himself, uh, takes on flesh. That's this child. Fully man, yes, but also fully God. So he arrives, and he is God with us. But it's good news, not great problem. Uh, why? Because he, God comes not to judge, but to rescue. Uh, God comes not to bring disaster, but to bring salvation. Again, you could go, you could go to how Matthew describes it, right? This one that's, that's presented by Matthew as Emmanuel, that's part of what he's called, God with us. Uh, also, you remember the angel says, be careful to call him Jesus. Right? There's another, another name, another core part of his identity, Jesus. And the angel explains, why call him Jesus? Because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, it means God saves. Right? Another, another Hebrew root, God saves. So you start to put these things together. God shows up, right? God with us in the child. But that same God with us is not God with us to destroy. We're in trouble, though we deserve it. It's God with us who comes to save, to rescue. The child comes uh, to, to live that perfect life that we don't, to bear our guilt on the cross and die the death that we deserve, right? The Isaiah, I'm ruined, woe is me, death that we deserve. Jesus takes it in our place. Uh, rises from the dead to bring life out of death, all for us, right? It's God showing up uh, not to destroy but to rescue. God's showing up uh, not to condemn, uh, but to save. There's the person. There's what he does. Uh, it's the one who John says, all who receive him, who believe in his name, are given the right to be called children of God. Right? Not, because, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, but because he arrives to do what we can't do for ourselves. Uh, to, to be rescued, to be made clean through his work for us. Uh, that's what Isaiah discovered in his vision. God has a way of making clean, and we know the fullness. It's through Jesus. He makes us clean uh, through the child who has arrived. So that God with us is not disaster. It's the greatest gift the world has ever seen. And that, that's our last point. God, the Emmanuel, the present. Uh, the present. Uh, the gift. Right, we talk about gifts this time of year. Here's the greatest gift, the one that God gave himself to be present with us. Uh, we're told it's given to all who will receive him, all of God's people, all who recognize their sin and, and realize that their only hope is Jesus, this one, this God who came to rescue and they put their faith in him. Is that you? 
you put your faith in this Jesus, you're trusting not yourself, but in what he does, well, then here's the, here's the great gift that he brings. Uh, he brings Emmanuel. He brings God right here with us, with you. Jesus comes to, to give the garden back. Right? What was lost in the Garden of Eden, that, that, that presence of God with his people that brought life, Jesus arrives to get it back because he is the very embodiment of God. He is, he is God incarnate. And he arrives, and his presence, like it was in the garden, was that presence that brings life. Uh, and that is what he, what he gives. He gives the garden back. Actually, it's, it's better, uh, the Bible goes on to say, because what Jesus is doing is he, he goes to prepare a place for us, and that place is the garden only better, the garden only eternal. Uh, remember some of the final words of the Bible are, are this vision of what that heavenly kingdom is like. And it's all about this uh, life-giving Emmanuel. Here's what, here's what Revelation 21 says. Now, this is the vision of the end, of what is coming. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and he himself will be with them as their God. Uh, there is the, the good news. Uh, that, that eternal kingdom that's coming, uh, it's what Jesus comes to bring. Uh, the fullness is future. But we get a down payment of it right now, even right here. God with us, right here. Matthew actually actually promises it. It's a, it's a core part of how he structures his gospel. Right? So we were reading this morning from Matthew 1, right? the first chapter and in Matthew's story of Jesus. Um, so he, he starts off chapter 1 with, this child is God with you. That's how Matthew starts. Do you remember how Matthew ends? Last chapter? Last verse? Jesus saying, Surely I am with you always to the end of the age. He's done it. He's with us, his people. And he's never leaving. Okay, physically, Jesus does ascend to the right hand of the Father. But he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yeah, he sends the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the Spirit of Christ, the presence of Christ with us, that is that very life, not just near us, but that life with us, in us. God with us, even right now, bringing that very, that very life, uh, having been made clean by God's uh, Christ's death for us, now God dwells with us to bring that glory of, of the garden, that glory that is to come, and now we, we enjoy it right here. And it does. It does change everything. It doesn't change everything about the world just yet. Uh, but in terms of our, our experience in the midst of the scary and the dark, uh, uh, right? Doesn't it, doesn't it change everything? I mean, uh, think, of, uh, think of the context uh, about how how those, those statements of, I'll be there with you, right? That's where we started. Uh, you know, maybe it's a parent to a child or someone saying to you, don't worry, I'll be right there with you. When are things like that said? They're said when, when something's scary around, something's dark around. And the, the, the statement makes a difference, the presence makes a difference, not because it changes uh, and removes this, the dark thing immediately, uh, but the presence changes it. It means it doesn't, it doesn't win. 
And that's, that's what Emmanuel with us now does. It's not that God instantly takes away the dark and the scary. He will, not yet. But right now, it means he's present, right here with you. How about, how about one more Isaiah quote? Here's, here's Isaiah, again, bringing this Emmanuel idea. See if you can see how it's wrapped up in these, in these words. God saying, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. The waters, scary. The flames, painful. They're not taken away, not yet, Isaiah says. But what makes the difference? He says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And what that means is you won't be overwhelmed. You won't be consumed. Because here is the life-giving, glorious God with you, right there. And that is, that is what we walk through this side of glory. It looks a little different for each of us. I don't, I don't know exactly what, what difficult waters God has you in, uh, or, or what, what challenging flames are around the corner, maybe in the new year. Uh, but, but what we can say from Scripture is that if, if, if you know Christ, if you're clinging to him by faith, what we can say for certain is that whatever those waters are, whatever those flames might look like, God says, I will be right there with you. And therefore, you won't be consumed. You won't be overwhelmed. Because he is Emmanuel, God, with us. Let's close with this final quote. This is a quote from a, a great preacher of old by the name of Charles Spurgeon. Ran across this a few years ago and just wonderfully summarizes the good news and the, and the impact it has, that idea of God right there with us, Emmanuel. Here's, here's what he writes. Emmanuel, God with us. It is hell's terror. Satan trembles at the sound of it. Let him come to you suddenly, and do you but whisper the word, God with us. And back he falls, confounded, confused. God with us is the laborer's strength. How could he preach the gospel? How could he bend his knees in prayer? How could the missionary go into foreign lands? How could the martyr stand at the stake how could the confessor own his master? How could men labor if that one word were taken away? God with us. It's eternity's sonnet. Heaven's hallelujah. The shout of the glorified. The song of the redeemed. The chorus of the angels. The everlasting oratorio of the great orchestra of the sky. It's the greatest Christmas gift ever. God, right there with you. Enjoy. Let's pray again. Father, we praise you that you have given what we so much don't deserve, but what you know brings life. Life here and life eternal. Lord, we pray that we would each know and rejoice in this good gift. Give us eyes to see, faith to believe, and be encouraged even this day, we ask in Jesus' name.